Hooper now offloads. Oh, so close, still short. Blaubanga. There he is! He's over! Hello and welcome to Pick and Drive Live, the live version of the Pick and Drive Rugby podcast. We are diehard rugby fans having a weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby. We're real, family-friendly and positive, so get involved. If you're watching on Facebook, Twitter, a very special welcome to you all. Make sure that you get involved, get involved. and send us your questions, comments and banter throughout the show. Uh, we're going to do our best to respond to each of them as the evening progresses. So, my name is Ando and with me are my usual teammates. We've got Mitch. We've got Rev, and hey. we also have our illustrious hey. guest, Wallaby Ben Alexander. How are you, Benny? Hey, guys. Bit ashamed to show my face on here after my prediction the other day. <laughs> well, I'm thank you for fronting it. up again, mate. Thank you for fronting up. So this is the third and final in a three-part series before each of the Wallaby Test matches. We have less than 48 hours until the decider begins, and our excitement levels couldn't be higher to see who walks away with the chockies. So let's get into things. Rev, I believe that you had a rugby-related question that you wanted to ask Ben. Yeah, I'm hoping this one um, can go through the three of you, but it is definitely Ben related because in 2010, he got kicked out of the front rowers union for scoring seven tries in that season, uh, including three doubles, which literally hasn't been repeated since as a uh, unheard of effort. So in doing so, um, scored as many tries as Rennie Ranger, Brian Habana, a couple of freaks. I want to know if you guys can name the three players that did manage to score more tries than Ben that year. Only three. So, Ben, do you, do you have an idea for one of them? 2010. And is country, this world rugby or just Australia? Uh, we've got one New Zealander. We've got one Aussie and one Saffa, uh, and they're all internationals. So they all play test rugby. Lachlan Turner? You beat him. You just beat him, actually. Which is uh, <laughs> a massive effort. Uh, 2010. Can you, can you give us the team, the Aussie team, who played for the... I'll give you a big hint that uh, one of them is in the stand commentary team. Yeah, Drew Mitchell. That's oh, what I, the, the, the I genuinely stuff, was yeah. about to say that. Oh, was it Morgan yeah. Turanui? <laughs> was it Morgan? Not that year. Not um, that another year. Okay, one, so we got Drew Mitchell. Got Drew Mitchell. Uh, one of them's uh, All Black playing in France. Rico Gear. Uh, he was quite close. Oh, it was uh, Joe Rocococo was the... Oh, what a legend. Oh. What a legend. And, yep. and then the oh, other one was the, the out there call... Um, Garrett Vandenhever, who's playing for Japan, but is a sapper. So he he also managed nine. But oh, I thought that was an unreal effort, what? Benny. You um, yeah, <laughs> defied all odds that year. That was yeah, pretty special. I had a few mates who were betting on me first and last try score that year, so they were yeah, <laughs> they were very happy. A bit of money, so yeah, yeah, they were happy. Yeah. Oh, good on you. All right, well, Mitchell. before we dive into things too quickly, we've got one last question that has come in from the crowd last week, and this comes to us from Big Will, and he wants to know, Ben. Who was the biggest pest that you ever played or with or against? With, yeah, just teammate General Huey Edmonds. He's still a pest. And only <laughs> time I hear from him is when he wants a free drink. Uh, the pub. <laughs> but, uh, he was anyone on the pub. The H knows he's a great fella, but massive pest against. Oh, I mean Tom Carter. He just yeah. <laughs> Tom yeah, Carter, everybody, yeah, King yeah, of the Sledge. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So there you go. There the two. He's renowned for Did it. You I barely back even down against know Joe Mala. Yes, yep, by Joe Mala once. But he, yeah, I think we actually won that test, so he, he kept pretty quiet. Uh-huh. No, he, he was yeah, never had any run-ins. Did he okay. scrum straight in that Fair game enough. by any chance? Oh, <laughs> uh, I can't remember. Can't remember. <laughs> we won, so that's. I just love that. Yeah, that's what matters. 
Probably not. That's all that matters. All that matters. But now, good on him. They had a good win, Harlequins, the other week. So, no, and he, yeah. he got man of the match, didn't he? So, no, well done to him. Yeah, he's doing really well over there. Yeah, no, good on him. Well, let's get into what we're all here to talk about, and that is, unfortunately, the Wallabies weren't able to take the series this week. They did, unfortunately, go down to France 21 to... I think I'm looking at the wrong, the long, wrong one here. Does anyone got the score? 28-26. What was the score again? Uh, how good? 28-26. 28-26. I nearly said 23-21, which was the wrong score. Oh. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, the, Wall- the Wallabies did as much as they could to get as close as possible at the end there, but just weren't able to ice it. Um, and France really came in and took it at the death. So let's start with this first question. And did the Wallabies deserve to lose this game? I'll throw to you first, Rev. Yeah, this is sort of a spin from last week where we were looking at what did France deserve to lose game one when um, you know they'd actually pony up and probably played a little bit better. Um, in this game, no, I, I don't think um, we deserve to lose. I thought we played really quite well. Um, and I think there's going to be a few things that, you know, we can work on and adjust. And I think that, you know, a few players might be kicking themselves over a few, um, you know, just slight errors maybe in decision-making, especially second half, not adjusting to the rush speed. But um, it, the score is what it is. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think we have to say that, you know, it, it's all fair in the end, a few ref calls and all that, but the result is what it is. Um, and France did deserve to win that. Yeah, I'd be going with that one too, mate. I think that as much as we have justifiable whinges about some of the decisions that were made throughout the game, and don't get me wrong, I will get on my soapbox about that pretty soon. I think overall, um, the fact that we didn't win, you just can't argue. You just can't argue with the fact that France is playing what you might say is at times more conservative, but it's, just, it's appropriately titled Test Rugby. They're taking points on offer, playing territory and playing with a strong defensive line that is forcing us to make mistakes. And we're not responding to that well enough across two games. Yeah, sure, we won the first one, but it was super close. Um, and I think France deserved to come away, even though I was super frustrated by some of the events. Yeah, and Benny, did you have anything you wanted to say about that? Oh, I think it, it's the series deserves to go to a decider. I think if Wallabies had been up 2-0, probably didn't, wouldn't have done the series justice. But I think it's, yeah, it's been a great series. I'm not a massive believer on whether teams deserve to lose or win or whatever. Like, it's the score is... Yeah, score reflects your effort, or not your effort, but the score's a score, yeah. So, uh, but no, I think the series, yeah, glad it's going to a decider. Yeah, perfect. Well, were the Wallabies' errors due to particular errors, to particular errors individually, or an error in the game plan, or due to refereeing? Now, I think there's someone in particular who's written this one in there, so I'll throw (laughs) this one to you, Ando. Mate, I didn't write it in here. Um, It is something I did kind of want to chat about, though, and I might get into my rant a bit more when we look at some of the video analysis that we're going to do later in the show. But I think that there is um, a justifiable complaint that can be made about the ways in which the rucks were refereed. Now, I know that we did get the rub of the green a couple of points. Uh, At a couple of points, like Michael Hooper got a turnover where he was probably off his feet or had his hands on the ground um but so did they they had a couple of them so it kind of it goes either way the thing that really frustrated me that's actually come out in the press with dave rennie and what he said and going to be talking to the referees about up before the game i think it's ben o'keefe that's refereeing the next game which is great another kiwi ref um but basically he was complaining or not complaining speaking about the need to make sure the French aren't getting in the way of the scrum half as they're kind of rolling away from the ruck. And that was something that happened regularly and only got pinged for it once throughout the game. But so many times Jake Gordon or Tate McDermott would get blocked or would get slowed down in their entry to the ruck because the French players aren't rolling east-west, they're rolling north-south. 
out of the ruck. And it just slowed the game down, got super frustrating. And um, Jason Sherman spoken to this one as well in the comments. So, by the way, get involved and bring your questions, comments, and banter. But it was something that was super frustrating because they just kept disrupting the ruck. And credit to them. France did it and didn't get pinged for it significantly, whereas Australia didn't adapt, particularly in the second half, to the intensity that the French were putting on. Um, so that's a long-winded response, but I'll be quiet now to give the other people some chance to speak. Ben, do you have anything you want to throw into that one? Or, or Rev? Uh, no, it's very good. It's a good point. And I think, like, the halfbacks really got to make a bit of a song and dance, just like even trip over the guy. I remember George Gregan used to throw the ball into any forward, any of the opposition forwards that were late to get back on side. He'd, like, pass the ball into him and go, oh, you know. <laughs> Penalty, so, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, you want to just keep playing, but, yeah, you've got to try and make a bit of a song and dance. But a lot of it, yeah, managing the referee and, and reading the referee when you're out there is a skill in itself. And I think George Smith always did it well, Richie McCaw. You know, some refs let you get on the ball and are a bit more um, liberal with, you know, having cracks at the ball, whereas some refs are a bit stricter. Uh, so you just got to do your homework, understand, you know, what sort of habits and things this particular referee looks for and, and yeah, and just read the ref and work with the ref when you're out there. And I think that's something the All Blacks, especially McCaw, did really well. Yeah, and, and it can be the difference between winning and losing. Yeah, definitely. What were you going to say, Rev? Uh, look, to save time, I don't really have much to add. I think Andrew and Ben have covered it pretty well. I think um, the referee was, <laughs> you know, questionable at the Rucks, but I also think there was enough time for our experienced players and our coaches to step up and just say, hey, look, uh, they're doing this or that. Can we, you know, change this just so, you know, we're capitalising on it as well or we're punishing the French for being there? But, um Oh, look, it was just a, a few things to tidy up. Again, um, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I, I am quite confident with this team. I do think we're, you know, just moments away from really clicking <laughs> to something nice. Um, and just once yep. those few hours get tidied up, we'll, we'll be looking quite good this weekend. Yep. Fantastic. Well, next question. So on a scale of 0 to 10, 0 being Gordon playing as a prop and 10 being Tupo playing as a scrum half, how would you rate this game? I'll throw to you, Ando. Uh, look, I it was definitely a close encounter. It was tightly fought. Lots okay, of, or not, Ando? Oh, yeah, you there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm here. Um, definitely tightly fought. Uh, really well played by the French to bring it into a bit of a dogfight and to break down some of the more uh, sometimes adventurous, sometimes foolhardy attacking attempts the Wallabies were trying to do. Uh, I would probably be giving it about a five just because of how frustrated I was as a Wallabies fan wanting more from the team. Um, I was just super frustrated throughout it. I had a really bad day, so I wanted the Wallabies <laughs> to win. <laughs> And I didn't get that, so it wasn't a good game for me. How about you guys? How about you, Benny? Yeah, I really liked it. It was a good game. Uh, I think it was definitely an improvement from both sides. Uh, so I, I give it a, a six and a half as a game. Wallabies, yeah, about a six. But, um, yeah, really looking forward to the decider. Well, look, I, I feel bad because yeah, I, I gave them... The best thing about the series is that we're all going into a decider. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Um, we could be sitting here with two losses to the French very easily. Um, we didn't necessarily deserve to win that game, uh, game one, and I think the French deserve to win this game in the second one. So um, two very different results could have been. We could be sitting here zero from two. So the fact that we're sitting here one from one from two, and with the option ability to now go to SunCorp and tie it up, is is a great thing. What were you going to say, Rev? I was just going to say I feel quite bad that I came on here and gave it a four out of ten when we won, and I'm going to give it a six out of ten when we lost. <laughs> I, I just. I, Watching this game, I was so much more um, impressed by what we were doing. Uh, I just thought, especially early on in the match, it was just a few moments. If they click and, you know, we get a few points on the board and we get that pressure, I think it does change the game quite drastically. And uh, to me, there was just a lot more promise <laughs> in this one. So I'll um, I'll give it a six. I, I was quite happy with that. 
Yeah, I think we saw some um, imp- definitely saw improvement in the test this week from the team that played in the first one. But also, what was frustrating is some of the errors that were there in test one were still here in test two and didn't seem to learn anything from it. And for me personally, I was frustrated at the fact that, as um, Ando said before, we didn't seem, or maybe it was Benny, but we didn't didn't seem as a team to be able to adapt to the way the referee was adjudicating the breakdown. Who's being very loose and they're letting the French get away with everything. But as a team, we didn't seem to have the rugby smarts to to realize that that was an, an area of opportunity for us. That first of all, we needed to be harder at the breakdown, which is what all the players were saying after the game, but no one seemed to be saying it during the game. Um, but also to start doing some of the things that the, the French were doing to us to slow down their ball. And those. Um, yeah. Next question, I'll throw this one to you, Benny. Who was your man of the match? Oh, Cara Beatty. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Hard to go past him. I, th- I think. Rev, you go and then I'll jump in after you. I'm oh, I'll... everyone off. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, look, I'd say the same. I think um, Cora Betty was just unreal for the Wallabies and easy man of the match. And for the French, uh, Cameron Walkie. Uh, he came in and just did a superb job. I thought he was, you know, really dominant in a lot of his tackles. Um, I think he made 14 of them as well. Uh, got a line out steal, three, ta- uh, three line out takes of his own. So he really led the team. And I think the French back row, because they don't have a set open side and blind side, they just play left and right flankers. It's a system that works really well for them because they've just got three um, three big men that were just on ballers the whole time. Yeah, for me, I was, um, again, super happy with Michael Hooper's involvement, but really you just can't go past America Corrin Betty. Uh, he was yeah. just uh, a dynamic player uh, on and off the ball. He was so unlucky to have two tries denied mm-hmm. to him. He, he deserves so much more for everything that he's given up in the last week or so with the birth of his daughter, missing missing the birth to be with the team and play the games. Like he he was on fire. And I'm pretty sure his arm or wrist looked completely dislocated or something and it just taped it back into place. He was getting running repairs, mate. That guy is made of steel. Um, so moving on to the final kind of question for this point, how much are we enjoying weekday test matches, Rev? Oh, it, this is such a boost to the week. I mean, like the excuse to go out to Suncorp last Wednesday and then, you know, to have um, the feet up on the couch for the Tuesday night rugby, it, it's such a nice break to the week, especially because like the weekend's already quite full with the other international matches and you're trying to, you know, stay on top of that and watch bits and pieces and you know, catch up with mates. Um, the pressure really seems off on the weeknight. So oh, I've been loving having them and, you know, keen to see more of them. Benny, is a good business for the pub? Yeah, no, we have a few people in on uh, Tuesday night. It's normally one of our quieter nights, but you know, one of the best days we've had at the pub the last few years was that Sunday afternoon Bledisloe, that one where mm. Reese Hodge hit the post. Oh, unbelievable day. Um, yeah, so Saturday night, you know, 8 p.m., it's kind of that time slot's really congested with a lot of the other codes. And, you know, we're obviously not the dominant code. Let's try and find another time slot in the week and really own that. Yeah, and I think um, yeah, it's one of the things, the timing of the matches is super important to just see what they can be changing to get get a bit of fan engagement. So, yeah, Super Rugby Tuesday, as Sheepy's saying, we then had the State of Origin on Wednesday. We got us on Thursday. How good is it? Um, so. What we're going to do now, guys, is we're going to jump to our video analysis for this evening. And we are going to be starting off with a look at the, um, well, I guess, how, do, how, do, how should we describe this? The first French try, um, let's, ju- let's just go through it. There's a lot that I want to complain about here. It's a pretty long sequence. Um, it 
goes with some really good pick and drive with the French team up the middle of the ruck, um, gets a couple of really nice offloads, but there's some good scramble D, and that hit right there from Nella was absolutely massive to put them back on their um, haunches and let us have a moment to get our defensive integrity up. But um, what happens at the next ruck or two, the ball kind of spills out, gets kicked out by a French player coming in. Nella, so here it's about to happen here. Nella does an awesome little pop pass up to Tom Banks, and Banks goes on a run. Now, I'm going to pause here for a second. Um, there's a couple of points where I'm going to go on a little rant. So this is the first <laughs> rant I'm just telling everybody now. I highly encourage people to not have a, a predisposed position that they just hold on to when the evidence does not support it. So the people that crap all over Tom Banks and say he doesn't deserve to play for Australia, he had the worst game ever. Look, he wasn't great in the first game, but he was far more improved in this game. He had an awesome break off of Cliff that we're going to show you later. And then this run is fantastic as well. Um, so please just try not to have your preconceived notions of players and then just carry it the whole time through. It's so frustrating. So as we watch here, Banks goes through, gets tackled, um, and then here comes Villiers, and we've got uh, Wilson and BPA that come in. And there is right here, he's playing the ball on the ground, the turnover's affected. That should be a penalty to Australia. Now it's not. Whatever happens, it's not a penalty but it is. Well, it should have been. And so what happens is the French run it wide here. And because our defense is completely scrambled, what we basically have is we've got Corin Betty down here in the bottom right-hand corner out on the wing. You've got Matty Phillips inside of him. And you've got Matty Tamua who's going to come in and fill in this gap here with um, Tom Banks in the backfield. Okay. But inside of Matt Phillips, you've got James Slipper. Um, I think that's Tupo. And then you've got Rob Valentini. So as we keep playing, the French at this ruck will spread it wide pretty quickly. And even with the poor pass, what actually what it actually does is it sucks up Philip and Tamua and it breaks the defensive line. So Slipper's lost alignment from there. And um, Philip has to now be taking a few more steps out wide and Tamua doesn't trust him coming out. So Tamua gets a defensive misread here, comes in and forces Philip to do way too much work to try and get onto the outside onto the winger. And then right here, the little pass onto the inside. So there's a couple of things that are going here. Um, it was pointed out by Benny before in a pre-match chat that we were doing that really it should be the one of the loose forwards that's getting across here to try and take out um, the French player on the inside. And Corin Betty really should be taking out the winger here as well so he can't receive the ball. As we play, Rob Valentini can't make up the metres. The winger is the one who gets the ball back, but if Corin Betty sat him down in his butt uh, right before that pass, then... Yeah, it would have been a totally different story. So there's a few points there. There's Banks had a good involvement there, contrary to what a lot of people were saying. There was the referee's interpretation of what's going on at the ruck, and then there was a bad um, misread for Matty Tamua from there. So there's a lot to happen. I've spoken a lot. Uh, Rev, anything you wanted to jump onto there, mate? Yeah, I just think with that, um, one of the things that's come up as a bit of an issue over the last two matches is we've been pretty good at getting a few line breaks um, that seem sort of against run of play, especially Corin Betty and Nice Rani have really burst the line. Um, and we've seen two really well-worked tries off the back of Tupo's line break and um, Banks' line break later in the match where we've been able to capitalise because we've had support runners. And I just think we need a few more people off Corin Betty's hip. Like, he's been making so many big breaks. And in that example there, it's, it's broken play, but we still need people backing up and um, available for an offload. The issue I've got with that, because Banks had a great game, Banks... Um, stepped into first receiver a bit more this match, but he's not as competent um, at passing as some of our other fullbacks have been, especially like a Hale Petty, a Hodger, a Beal. They, they, you know, pretty good playmakers. Um, Banks had a few opportunities where I thought, oh, he'll give the offload here and didn't. And the one time he did was when we ended up scoring from Kellaway and 
Hooper. So I'd like to see um, a few more support runners. But yeah, look, I agree with the original thought. Um, Banks had a great game. That was a good uh, read to get that many meters. And, you know, with a bit better ruck policing, probably could have turned it into a pretty good territorial gain for us. Yep. Well, let's one, move on. one last thing oh, on, yep. on, that, on that play. Our old defensive coach at the Brums, uh, Peter Ryan, and he was at the Reds, he used to talk about the the, uh, the bounce pass or bounce pass syndrome. So when that ball, the French of that crap pass, the wallet, few of the wallabies sort of just stopped pushing up and just sort of waited to see what happened. And that sort of, um, it happens quite often. You'll, you'll start noticing, and now sometimes a crap pass can actually lead to to something and um because it's sort of oh, people sort of stand back oh what's happening mm. what's going to happen with the ball because it's sort of out of the normal um when really if it's a the ball hits the ground wallaby should have flown up could have hit the french behind the advantage line but um yeah it's 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 a trap you can fall into when yeah just sort of waiting to see what happens rather than, than pressuring them. Yeah, thanks for that insight, Benny. Um, we'll have a quick comment here from Simon Nelson as well, who says he's a big, massive, he's a massive Banks fan, hard done by to not make the Rugby World Cup squad, but was disappointed with him in the first test. He did play really well and linked with Lolisio, and we're going to show that interplay, which was typical Brumbies passing to the inside runner uh, in a moment. But before we get there, Benny, you're going to take us through the last scrum of the game and kind of explain a little bit about what went on there. So I'm going to hit play you tell me what to do my friend we'll just play it through the first one so as we'll you can see the french the french got that first little nudge so when the scrums came together the french got forward at just that tiny bit and then they had to sort of settle wait for the ball to come in and then they just barreled through so they won that yeah won the engagement and um you would have liked uh mcdermott to identify that and maybe not feed the scrum or you know go ref someone's taking an angle and get the ref to repack that um, but yeah, it was clean and simple. French French dominated. They scrum really well there, so which was a bit disappointing. You know, the Wallabies had scrum really well all match. Um, but yeah, the French are really fired up for that last scrum. You could see it. So um, yeah, disappointing end. All right, Rev, throwing it over to you, mate. We're heading now to uh, some brilliant play from the Brumbies players. So we've got Lola Siu yeah. and Banks combining one and a hit play. We'll watch it through and then come back and you can talk us through it. Goes out there, comes out to Kellaway, little pop pass to Hooper whilst Ooh, he's on the on. ground on. and in for the try. Oh, I apologise. Do it again. To put it You're watching it. You're watching again. it yourself, <laughs> mate. Ah, <laughs> how good. I told you it was janky, so let's watch it from the start here. There we go. Sorry, boys. That's very All nice, right. isn't it? Let, let's beautiful. watch it again. Talk us through it, please. <laughs> um, the thing I like most is um, this is a play that Lolzio set up plenty of times with the Banks before, and uh, Tate McDermott does really well there to stop the play because he's done the same play with James O'Connor. And actually, the Brumbies and Reds got a lot of nice tries off this super season. Um, like we mentioned before, the big thing that we can see here is the support play. And this is where a player like Andrew Kellaway is so vital. He's not your X-Factor superstar. He's a really smart, competent um, player that knows exactly where to be. And as we said after the match, one of the big things is sometimes you don't need to make all the line breaks. You just need to know when the line breaks are going to happen and just be the next person there. And he's capitalized so well off that to, um, you know, to salvage, in the end, what wasn't a fantastic offload and what was a pretty well defended play um he does a great job of keeping the ball for as long as he needs um before finding the most hard-working man in australia michael hooper uh, running up to get the try so i, I think that try it, it's pretty typical of australian rugby just at the moment we work really hard for it um but we, we've got all the skills <laughs> and we can put it together really nicely uh, when things click Awesome. So what we'll do now is we're going to head into the final video, our final video analysis for tonight, which is uh, looking at a line out from 
the 66th minute, um, the Lockie Wanigan throws in. So don't worry, I'm going to chuck it off on the screen. Won't do that <laughs> twice in a row. So, Mitch, you're going to talk us through this one, mate. I'll play it through once, then yeah, I'll start it, it again and you can talk us through. So let's go. Yeah, perfect. So what we have, line out set, Wanigan gets it at the back. French are driving it backwards and then start to wheel it. Wanigan stays connected for a while and then gets driven out. So we'll play it again and then, Mitch, over to you, mate. Yeah, just pause it before you start again. Um, just one of the, th- the themes of the game for me this week was our inability or some of our, our younger, more inexperienced Wallabies that came on weren't able to actually uh, see the game out and they made some poor decisions um, that was due to, basically down to their inexperience at this level, um, which ultimately made us result in us not winning the game. So this would be a perfect opportunity for us to score a try. Um, we end up scoring the 70th minute. A few minutes later, we get another crack at it. But this would have been perfect for us to score off this, giving us a little bit extra time to go on and and chase the lead down and maybe hold it off. But So if you play it on, Ando. So Lonigan does well to get it in, um, goes to the back. Now, he's at the back of the mall here. He's got the ball, and they're going backwards. So he's hoping that, like last week, that the, we're going to shift momentum and, and hopefully get over the line to score a try. So he's holding on, holding on, holding on, keep going. It's probably here where he needs to realize that he's on the wrong side of the mall and he's starting to shift towards the sideline. Now, a more experienced player would have probably either broken off a little bit earlier, tried to turn and, and offload to Tate, who's right behind him, or just gone to ground. Um, but Lonigan's holding on, holding on, keep going, and then ultimately gets bundled into touch. He gets isolated from the rest of his support players and then gets taken over the sideline. So don't want to single out a player and say that it was all his fault or anything, but I think just as a as an inexperienced hooker who's only played a handful of Super Rugby games is now at this level of Test Rugby for his second Test a big ask for him to come on and, and to do that um and a few little things like that in the last sort of 15 20 minutes if we had been able to capitalize on those opportunities and score those tries or get some points from that we're probably looking at a different outcome awesome thanks for that mitch um rev was there anything you wanted to say to that and if not once you've had your chance we'll throw it to benny as well uh no happy to just jump straight to ben for that one benny anything you want to add on to that oh just well yeah it's disappointing lucky he's been dropped i mean he um He's been outstanding, probably the, just about the form hooker of Super Rugby. But yeah, he did he did struggle in that last twenty. So hopefully he'll um yeah he'll take a huge amount of learnings out of that game and and he'll be back, no doubt. Brilliant. And flipping well, Rev, the that's... coin on a positive, he did do well to get that line out in because we had a line out five ten minutes earlier in the same position where we threw it. Ford Pack was trying to be a little bit fancy instead of worrying about just getting the ball in, and we ended up turning it over and and diffusing that um, momentum. They ended up running down getting a break off that and and I think Michael Hooper ended up tackling the player down on the 22. So Lonigan did well in his basics there. So looking at the positives as well. Brilliant. Well, Rev, why don't you start taking us through the team list for the upcoming match? Yeah, absolutely. We've got um, finally a bit of change uh, this week. So plenty to talk about um, as opposed to just the one name uh, last week. Um, retaining the spots for jerseys one and two, we've got Slipper and Pangramosa for the Wallabies. Uh, and Alatoa does his switch back with Taniela Tupo. So he gets another start. Um, fitting does, um, reward, I guess, for Darcy Swain, who gets a crack at uh, lock with Salakai Loto. And interesting that they've opted to keep him in there. He's a big body. He's had a lot of work rate. Um, you know, over the last two games. So he's going to be quite, um, you know, tied by the end of it, you think, but good to see him retained. Big talking points in the back row with Lockie Swinton, um, sort of the human red card 
at the blindside flanker. Um, that that isn't a dig at him. He, he's actually quite an exciting player and someone that I think once he gets that level of aggression right, it's going to be perfect. Uh, his partner's Hooper and Nasirani at eight, who gets just uh, desserts for some awesome efforts off the bench. Uh, Tate McDermott gets a lovely start at nine. Uh, you saw the meme going around from rugby.com.au of the uh, pub going nuts for for his uh, naming at nine. So I'm excited to see what he can do with a fresh, um, you know, Fresh out of eyes on the game. Uh, Lola Seo has played every minute so far, and he keeps the 10 jersey with uh, James O'Connor injured. Corin Betty keeps his spot on the wing, but Filippo Dongunu comes in to replace Tom Wright and just really ups the X factor. Um, so it really creates an exciting backline. But the big change, and the one that's probably got the most people talking, uh, Hunter Paisami and Len Ikatao, a very new and young uh, center combo. And no Tamura in there means that all the experience is going to come from the bench. So these guys have a lot of... Um, I guess opportunity ahead of them to try and show what they can do. On the bench, Jordan Ulessi comes in from outside the squad um, just with you know the current injury rate of uh, hookers. I think we've got three already down. Angus Bell and Tupo um, keep their spots. Matt Phillips on the bench. Rob Valentini's on the bench. Jake Gordon's on the bench. Matt Tamua's on the bench. So all these guys that started last week are getting a bit of a rest, uh, but a really timely return, I think, for Reese Hodge uh, coming in at 23. I think that's the kind of fit we need. Uh, we really can inject the side with a lot of experience off the bench. And also, we get the option to have a massive boot coming in as well uh, that can, you know, potentially seal a game if it gets to that. So really exciting. Um, I-, I might throw to you first, Mitch. What's your biggest takeaway from that team? So who are you most excited to see? Yeah, I'm most excited to see Lockie Swinton. I highlighted him last week or the other day on our last episode that I think he's ready for a test start or a test recall. So I'm I'm happy to see him in there. I think overall, the biggest thing I'm surprised about is how the amount of game time a lot of these players are going to get. I don't think either any of us really expected to see this amount of unchanged lineup across the three tests. We were really expecting Rennie to probably change things up a little bit for the second test and for the third, this third test to really start to test combinations and things, hoping that the series was going to be wrapped up. Considering the way the series has gone, it's been so tight in games one and two, I can understand why he's done this. But there's some big question marks, as you said before, Rev, around Noel Alessio has played all the minutes so far in this in this test series. I wonder if that comes down to his kicking ability in that he hasn't missed a shot at goal yet and that's what we're going to need in this next test. Um, but yeah, Tate McDermott now has the opportunity to start at number nine and he's going to. it's really going to be a good test for him to see if he can stand up and really cement that jersey and, and show people or meet the hype that everyone online is saying that he needs to be starting for the Wallabies. And he's probably, a lot of people are saying he's pushing Nick White to start. So big, big uh, game expected from Tate McDermott this week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And Ben, is there someone that, you know, sticks out to you? Is there someone that you're really excited to see uh, this weekend? Yeah, there's two things. One, um, I think it's clear we Wallabies aren't going to blow teams off the paddock, right? It's always rather we're going to be close. So there, the, we'll play any side, we'll be close. And I think because of that, we need our most destructive players out there in the final 20 minutes. And um, bloody nearly get into Twitter arguments. But the only thing I get in <laughs> arguments on Twitter about is having Taniella Tupo or Alan yeah. Alatoa starting. And I'm start Alan. He was he was outstanding off the bench, Alan. But st- get him out there, get him play 50, 60 minutes solid and then bring Taniella on to this for the knockout yep. blow. So yep. I'm chuffed to see they've made that change. And you can rotate them, start Taniella 
I mean, we, we are spoilt for choice having both of them in our team, but I'm really happy to see that. And the other change that I'm happy to see was Paisami wasn't quite, for me, doing it at 13. I think he's quite quick enough. He's a bit more of a physical, um, you know, a very physical player. I like I like him at 12, uh, you know, for his defence. And I thought Len Ikatao was just had a bit more electricity about him when he was um, a bit more speed and just looked a bit more elusive when he was out there. So I'm really excited to see Lenny there at 13. Um, I mean, yeah, I think it'd be great to see Jordan Patea back. I think Lenny's probably the closest thing we've got uh, to a Patea, just sort of that attacking threat at 13. But, um, yeah, really, I mean, yeah, Matt Tamura will come on late in the game and, and guide us around. But, um, yeah, really excited to see this centre combination. Yeah, the center combo does have a lot of energy about it. And I think that you're right, the speed difference between someone like Ikatao who's coming in um, in place of Tamua, uh, even though they're not in the same spot, like just that extra speed is such a boost for the team. Um, and just before we get to the comment, I just thought it would be um, good to mention, are there someone that you're keen to see, but also are there players in the rest of the squad that you would have liked to have seen? Someone that might have missed out that you think, gee, I'd, I'd like to have seen them get a minute. Yeah, Ryan Wanigan, of course. He should be starting. <laughs> I say you off for that, really, didn't I? That, that, I he's really on injury that. replacement. He's on injury replacement. He's not even officially uh, in the squad. No, he is, mate. He got called in. So where's where's Nick White at the moment? He's back home in Canberra. So Ryan Wanigan counts as being in the squad. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, if I'm being realistic, I would have really liked to have seen Fraser McWright get a good run. Um, yeah. He is basically the heir apparent to the number seven jersey at this point in time. And he... Um, if he wasn't going to get it in that second test, he was never going to get it in the third after we lost. So if if it had been a dead rubber, I think you would have seen Hooper given a rest and Fraser McCright on the park. But you just can't. Hooper has played fantastically well. Um, there's some really good comments here about which we might bring up again. So I'll chuck this one up. Um, Hooper has successfully silenced his haters in the series so far. Plays and mate played amazingly. Uh, then we've had Jason Sherman who's jumped in and said disagree. Hooper has silenced his haters, but his captaincy has been average at best. I would agree with that final point there from Jason. Um, I think Hooper has been a fantastic player in terms of his work rate, defensive ability. He's been on the ball a lot more than what we we've sometimes seen or at least what the haters will say about him um but i also um i haven't been the biggest fan of some of his captaincy decisions in terms of when to go for the sticks or when to go for the corner uh, i just haven't always agreed with his decisions during the game and i think if james o'connor had been fit for the whole series we might have seen hooper given a rest and um, james o'connor brought in as captain but that doesn't mean I don't want Hooper in the team. For me, he's the mm. starting set. He's the first name uh, in the entire yeah. 23. But that's enough on Hooper. Um, the player that I'm super excited to see as a finisher is Taniela Tupo. And the reason why is because, like Benny was saying, I think that the impact that players have off the bench is something that is incredibly important and that we've seen become more and more significant in world rugby over the last, say, five years, um, is bench impact. We saw it with the box in the World Cup final with the back three playing the full... Uh, the front row, sorry, just being absolute um, weapons. Uh, yeah, we've Malcolm seen it. Marks. That was the point. Of, yeah, Mal, oh. they bring he's best forward on the planet, pretty much Malcolm Marks, and they bring him off the bench. So yep. uh, that yep. seems to work there. 100%. And so it's just that idea of what impact can you have in a final 20 minutes of the game to break the match open. You look at New Zealand and they're, sure, they're probably winning by a little bit for the majority of the game, but they'll often blow away teams in the final 20, 25 minutes. And so I think that if we have, say, McDermott, if we have um, Taniela Tupo, and you look at our back, our reserve bench right now, they're all really dynamic and strong players. Uh, Ulysses, although his form hasn't been great for the last little while, is can be a very 
powerful player. You've got Bell, Tupo, Valentini, Gordon, Tamua. Uh, probably not Tamua from a kind of game-breaking point of view, but the experience that he brings in late really matters. And um, Matt Phillip has been playing super well. So we take we take all those things together, and I'm really happy to see the quality of our bench with Tupo being. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I think he's such a big impact. And just to touch on that, Jordan Yalassi, the exact same reason. I've really rated Lion Lonigan through super, but Jordan Yalassi is 15 kilos heavier than him. And that's such a big help uh, just in contact and in scrums uh, at test level, I think, just to try and get extra weight in there. We've seen some of um, Lonigan's hit-ups that have been quite dynamic, but not getting the same oomph you'd kind of want from your your test hooker. So I'm pretty keen to see him in there. And Good just because It's just come in from Sheepy. Um, Alatoa had a, had a fantastic match in both matches, but he didn't have the impact off the bench that Tupo has had. And I, th- I agree exactly with tu- Sheepy in this one. Um, whilst Alatoa came on and scrummaged well in the second test, he didn't win us penalties like Tupo did when he came mm. on in the first test. Now, there was a the French did take their set piece up a notch in the second test, and they, particularly in that last scrum, they really had intent to want to get that penalty. But I, I definitely think that Tupo has is the sort of player that you can bring on with 50 minutes to go and win a few penalties that will either keep us in the game or extend our lead. Yeah. All right, Rev, we're good to go to France now, Mac. Yeah, gee, that's 15 minutes on the Wallabies. How about a quick minute for the French? Um, One minute. They had, a few ch- they had a few changes. Enzo Folletta gets his first crack of the tour at uh, Lucid Prop, replacing Jean-Baptiste Gros. So that's a massive change for them. Uh, he's 27 uh, years old, but uncapped. Uh, super... Yeah, Sapili Falataya comes in at tight head prop. Um, Denver Bumba still the impact off the bench, so they're going the Tupo model as well. I'm glad we're fighting fire with fire this week. Uh, Remain Tal for Fanua and uh, Dylan Cretton. They both come back into the starting team at five and six, respectively. Uh, the French back row is just a thing of dreams. Um, the fact that it's missing Olivon and Aldrit, they're going to be such a force to be reckoned with over the next few years. Uh, a few changes to the back line, a few big ones. Uh, Antoine Hostoy comes in at uh, 10. And he's 24 years old and uncapped as well. Um, but Louis Carbonell, I thought, had been playing pretty well. So this is going to be a nice change for them. He's a little older, a few more uh, club games in the top 14. So a few interesting changes. Uh, Teddy Tomer, the most experienced back, uh, comes in on the wing. He's um, got 27 caps under his belt. So he's going to add a lot of experience. And he's so fleet-footed. Um, so he, he can be a real point of difference for them. I think the big change, um, and anyone that's looked at the team sheet will notice, no Jonathan Dante, which is a massive relief, I think, for anyone trying to tackle him or anyone running at him. Uh, instead, <laughs> Arthur Vincent comes into 12. That's no surprise for him. He's actually played uh, 54% of his test, uh, sorry, club games at 12, so he's suited to that. Um, replacing him is Pierre-Louis Barassi, who's you know quite capable at 12 and 13 as well. Uh, splits game time there, but uh, he copped a few test caps earlier in the year as well. Uh, and then a few changes on the bench, Alexandre Bechonier. He comes in at a back row option. And Julian Herito, I'm very keen to see because he plays 12 and 13. as quite dynamic. Um, and 26 years old, been in the game for a while, but hasn't been capped yet. Awesome. Well, that looks interesting. I'm surprised that if he's playing at 12 or 13, he's lining up at 23. Uh, mm. It's They've gone away from the 6-2 split into a 5-3 bench. So I'm not sure how much we want to read into that point. But either way, it's going to be a really, really exciting game. Series is on the line. So I'm incredibly excited for Saturday night. Now, the 
there are the final things that I want us to be doing. Um, I want us to firstly do our match predictions. And then by popular demand, we are going to talk about the Western Force. Despite the fact that this is a preview of the Wallabies game, the Force have a game against the Bay. Give the people what they want. The people want it. So we're going to talk about it. But to start with, to start with, we're going to go through one by one. I'm going to start off with Mitch, then Rev, then Benny, then myself. Uh, Let's pick the margin for the game. And team, can we also, for those of you legends who are watching, can you please put your pick in the chat for the final result? So, Mitch, what are you saying the final result will be? I'm going to go Wallabies by three. I think we've Wallabies seen this series that has been really tight, both test matches, and it's going to be another tight one in Brisbane this weekend. Wallabies by three. Wallabies by three. Rev. Uh, look, after calling Wallabies by 25 last week, don't listen to what I say. <laughs> Don't put money on what I'm saying, but I think I think by six. I, I think I like our changes. I think them missing Dont is a massive um, thing for us. So I think this could be a chance to step up, and you know this team's exciting. So let's go by six. Okay, great. Wallabies by six, Benny. My gut says Wallabies by two, but um, I'm going to just yeah, that's what my gut told me last mm-hmm. week. Wallabies by twenty, so I'm not going to go with my gut. I'm going to say Wallabies by ten. Yeah, love it, love it, bump it up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just I really like the uh, Talfanua off the bench as well. They brought the Denver Bumba and they brought some big guys on. Uh, I, I don't think that Talfanua is all that fit, and I think he's definitely better suited to an impact role. So yeah, they've gone to start with him, but um, no, I think I think we'll click. Part of me thinks click. So yeah, us by ten. Brilliant, and I'm going to go us by eight. So I'm super excited for this game Saturday night, and uh, luckily the. Wallabies actually had escaped back up to Queensland. I think they flew back with the French team on the night of the game. Um, and so they're in they're in the one place that seems to not have shut down yet from COVID. So let's track through a couple of the teams. So we've got Simon Nelson here that's going 31-25 by six. He's covering his Well done, Simon. Love it. Yeah, Le Bleu. Le Bleu. Uh, we've also got some rando, Tim Foster, France by five, and Wallabies don't take their chances. Wow. Um, big call, okay. so, big yeah. call. Cool. Maybe he's doing my thing throughout the super season where you pick wow. the result that you don't want. Or, it's no yeah, super brew, the way to what you want. There's yeah, no this super brew in this one. So. No super brew. That's a good point. Well, if any more um, comments come up, if any more picks come up, we will jump to those. But for now, you're welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to talk about the Western Force. So the Western Force have a... Oops, sorry, I'll get rid of that one. Um, so the Western Force have a game against the Bay of Plenty coming up tomorrow, 7.30pm Western time. Now, from my understanding, I don't think think that this is going to be um, live streamed or broadcast. Is that correct, gentlemen? Uh, Stan don't have it yet. Yeah, As of now. As of now. So hopefully that changes. Um, but it's a pretty experienced team. We can recognize almost all of them here from Super AU. Don't have uh, their internationals, which is not surprising considering they've all signed for other teams and left the country. Um, so what I might do, uh, we will jump to Simon's comment in a second, but let's just quickly talk through the 15. So you got Angus Wagner, Andrew Reddy, Kieran Longbottom, Pretty sure this is his last game for the club. Pretty sure he's retired, hasn't he? Um, so this will be his swan so. song. Fergus Lee Warner, Ryan McCauley, Jackson Pugh, Ollie Callan, Brendan Stander, uh, or should I say, as every commentator says, Stander. Stander. Then Ian, 
Ian Pryor, Jake McIntyre, Brad Lacey, Carl Godwin, Makara, Kahui, Strawn. And then on a bench, we've got some pretty familiar names there as well. Although with the expanded bench, it means that there are some names which I know that I at least am unfamiliar with. So um, we've got, I don't recognize Hyde, maybe that's the wrong thing. I don't know. Am I getting in trouble? Zantana Pamar, Isaac Mio, um, Brent, Byron Sharwood. Rev, you know more about some of the Western Force players than I do. Are there names there that I've just embarrassed myself by by not recognizing? No, a lot of these guys are through the development system and through the um, you know Western, not the Western Force, the um, Western Australian mm-hmm. comp. So they've um, they, they've had a few good seasons um, over there. Some of these players and a few young guns up and coming. A few players I would have liked to have seen as well, um, especially if you listen to rugby rap, they talk up a few of them. But uh, I think big game for Jackson Pugh and Grayson Makara. They've been sort of around the. The squad for a while and they're pretty exciting talents uh, and the big ones Antana uh, Pomeri off the bench he's, he's going to be pretty exciting I think he's a pretty big boy and I think they've got another one that's a late call up as well I think there might have been a slight scratching a few hours ago so they've just got another name in there um, but yeah it, it's good to see them uh, stick with the local guys this is a nice um, chance for the force to you know um, compete against the Kiwis and prepare for next year I've got to yeah, say, though, a, there's one big name that's missing from this lineup. Where's Isaac Rodder? Mm, yeah. yeah. When he signed, it was announced that he'd be making his club debut against, against in this 20. game, and we haven't heard anything. So He doesn't yeah. play any game that isn't televised. You think he's doing that without a cent? <laughs> Not a chance. No, Not a I, chance. I, I've heard that he's he's backflipped and he's signed with the Tars. Oh, can oh, you imagine? Just, can you imagine? Tars have, Tars have announced on, on, uh, on Twitter today that some big announcements coming soon in, in regards to signing. So Is that because be you've been something. hounding them? for the last like two weeks on Twitter going, are you actually signing anyone? Are you actually signing anyone? Uh, but anyway, back listening. to... Listening. I love how we've just turned a chat about the force into chat about the TARS. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the force Typical now. bias. Typical. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry. But basically, um, to answer Simon's question here, which might be a little bit leading, but regardless, thanks for the question, Simon. Um, yeah, I think it's genu- genuinely a good sign for rugby in the West. And it's one of the things that um, we could all kind of see from what the force were trying to do They're, they were bringing in the internationals experienced players for this recent super au season to provide that platform and pro- to provide that opportunity for the the current squad members to grow and experience get get the learnings from the more experienced international players and then after they leave after the one or two years then the younger players are able to then carry that baton onwards and mm-hmm. it's really good to see this continued production line from western australian rugby and long may it continue mostly because well it means that there's more quality players for the rest of australian rugby to share around as well um and the more the merrier i'm personally loving carlo tisano and hoping he stays at the Tars. So, gents, I think that's it for this week's episode. It's been 50 minutes. I think that's pretty good. Um, I just want to say, firstly, thank you so much to Benny Alexander for coming on, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege to have you here. Um, and just for the fun, one more time, we're going to... Oh, wrong button. One more time, okay. we're going to kind of put your stat, put your links and everything up there. So, um, if people are down in Canberra, they want to go visit the pub. Where is it? Where were they find you the dock at the kingston for sure brilliant mate and if you say um you came here from pick and drive rugby podcast you get 10 percent off your first beer so <laughs> you get, you get, you get charged, and ando pays charged, for that and then yeah, they get, get, get charged double on ando yeah. <laughs> thanks for having me guys on ando 
Yeah. Sorry, thanks, my Benny. tips haven't been much chop, but no, thanks for having me. Mate, your tips might not have been too close, but the insight and the comments that you've provided have definitely been top quality. So thank you so much for coming on, Benny. Um, and to Mitch and Rev, it's been uh, another fun series and I can't wait to be chatting with you guys on the next pod when the Wallabies win the series. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure and we will see you next time. Bye. See ya. Bye.